Hello everyone, boys and girls, mums and dads, and everyone else out there. It's nearly Christmas, and you know what that means? It's panto season, and we have a very special guest for this week's episode. But where is he? He's behind you. <laughs> ah, welcome to the podcast, Connor Going. <laughs> Hello, Connor. Uh, hey, hey. Connor is an actor and musician. Uh, you might know from Choir of Man, Footloose, the musical, the tour, or even Sunshine on Leaf up at the Edinburgh's King's Theatre and Pitt Lockery Festival Theatre. He's currently starring in the title role in Theatre Cluid's Robin Hood. Connor, are you feeling festive? Oh, very much so. Even more so now that we've got on uh, and having a chat, just hearing that little jingle chewing us in, I was just like, oh, it is December. We are coming up to Christmas. Let's do this. This is possibly the most festive I've felt all year, just today, this afternoon. That's so exciting and slightly worrying when you're two weeks into Panto already. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's just the job though, isn't it? I don't even notice it anymore. All the colours and the festivities. We've been doing it since November. Oh my goodness. Well, we are going to get properly into the Christmas spirit for you and all of you besties as well as us. And we'll hear a lot more from Connor um, and the Panto process later in the show. But for now, on with the news. So, first up in the news this week, we have that Disney's Newsies is extending its London run at the Troubadour Theatre in Wembley. Um, Following its sold-out previews and overwhelming demand, it has been announced that Newsies is extending its London run through to Sunday the 16th of April. The show features Michael Ahumka Lindsay as Jack Kelly and Bronte Barbe as Catherine Plummer. This production sounds incredible i cannot wait to see it they are saying it's really um immersive it's an innovative new production and it's meant to put you right in the heart of 19th century new york and i'm seeing it on monday so i'm very excited that is very exciting i have never seen newsies but um i am being followed across the entire internet with cookies showing me the adverts for it so (laughs) i think i'll be seizing the day pretty soon have you not watched it on disney plus no Maybe I'll do that tonight. You should. You should. Okay, besties, I'm very sorry. I'll go and catch up with that one tonight. Um, however, one show that I have seen, and I'm very, very excited by this news, and it's that Come From Away is going on tour in the UK and Ireland from February 2024. Now, this is great. It's closing in the new year in, um, in London. I've seen it a couple of times. It's a beautiful, beautiful show, which celebrated 1,000 performances in the West End on the 28th of November. And after it closes on the 7th of January next year, it's going to be opening, starting in Leicester in 20. 24. It's a little bit of a wait, but it's definitely one that's worth it. Come From Way shares the incredible real-life story of 7,000 passengers from all over the world who were grounded in Newfoundland during the wake of 9-11. And it's the small community that w- invited these Come From Aways into their lives. Now, I've seen this a couple of times. I have a friend who's actually from Newfoundland um, who absolutely detests musicals, but we went to see it and she came to see it um, because I told her the story and she was one of the people making the sandwiches for the community and welcoming all of these people in and it's amazing it's a properly exciting piece of theatre that's almost verbatim theatre it's using the testimony of the people who were there at the time and threading it all the way through with the story of the pilot and the people who were there and how in the darkest of times they found the most wonderful hope and life-affirming joy in each other um it is absolutely brilliant so if it's coming to a theatre near you i insist you go and get tickets 
definitely connor have you seen come from away i have i've also seen it a couple of times and like jet said i just thought it was such a warm heartfelt story the music as well happens to be great the choreography is very very slick it's one of the few west end shows on a dance level that i think i could cope with but it's like <laughs> it's so effective they don't need to do much and they tell so much and just very slick a really well done piece of theater and as you say based on this wonderful true story of humanity pulling together yeah i would definitely urge people to go check it out when it's on tour absolutely um and connor uh what new story we given you this week oh uh you've given us uh the story about musical con which is returning to xl london in 2023 producers have announced that the fan convention will return to london's xl center on the 21st and 22nd of october next year after its sold out dates this year can expect uh, new performances and interviews discussion panels meets and greets photo signing opportunities as well as master classes and talks from industry professionals and of course the return of cosplays lip-sync battles sing-alongs plus the theater land exhibition and marketplace uh, Musical Con is produced by Chris Stewart and Sinead Holmes of West End Musical Productions with co-producer Sinead saying, this really is for the fans. It's the convention our community deserves and we're delighted to be returning in 2023. So I know, Robin, you're a big fan of Musical Con. I know that you have cosplayed there in the past as Evan Hansen. Is that correct? I didn't cosplay at the actual Musical Con. I've cosplayed at just a Comic-Con and I brought <laughs> I brought theatre to a Comic-Con. Um <laughs> why not it's what theater it's what it's been missing out on all of this time it is but i have my evan hansen costume ready for musical comedy. okay i couldn't get there this year but you know next year evan might have to grace the floors of the london xl <gasps> is this an exclusive we're hearing on the west end best <laughs> yeah. friend podcast right here right now i've got a cast and everything like i've made a cast and stuff and when i was at comic-con i was trying on t-shirts and the shop owners were like oh Oh, are you okay? Like, are you okay to try it on? And I'm like, oh yeah, it just comes off. And I just like take this cast <laughs> off. Okay, so if you're really Brilliant. looking for a complete two-day immersive experience where you get to chat to actors, lots, learn lots of things, buy lots of amazing, amazing merchandise, you need to get over to buy those tickets, which are at www.musicalcon.co.uk. So, quick fire news time. Robin, what else is happening in the world? So, the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway is extending its life due to a spike in ticket sales. So, instead of closing on the 18th of February 2023, the show is now going to close on the 16th of April 2023. So, if you're on Broadway, you still have time to see it. Amazing. And I should probably see it in London at some point, too. Now, it's also been announced that Sinatra the Musical is in development. It's being developed by two-time Tony winner Joe DiPetrio and directed by three-time Tony winner Kathleen Marshall. And obviously, the music of Sinatra is something that is absolutely synonymous with this time of year. He's a classic crooner. And so I'm very excited to see how that develops. And also, who's going to step into the shoes to take on such an iconic, iconic performer? And we've got one little uh, quickfire news for you as well, Connor. We do indeed, yes. The award-winning production of Life of Pi has announced its UK tour starting in August 2023, which I'm just learning as I read it now. The show will visit multiple venues across the UK. Uh, Some tickets are available now with other venues available soon, which is amazing news because I've seen Life of Pi. My friend Nuan uh, was the alternate Pi and uh, since then became Pi himself on the West End and I got to go and see it. And again, it's just such a slick production. The puppetry is otherworldly. You actively try and look for the human's behind the puppets and it's really difficult because the movement is just mesmerizing so i'm thrilled to announce and learn that it's going on a uk tour that's super exciting <laughs> i need to try and catch it because i've heard great things about it and yeah just from a mm. puppetry point of view i'd love to love to see it and see what it's all about
Now, as we said at the top of the show, and as you've heard, Connor Going is joining us for the entirety of the episode this week, and we're all very, very excited about it. And he is currently starring as Robin Hood in Theatre Cluid's production of Robin Hood, um, the pantomime. Now, Connor, I hear it is a rock and roll pantomime. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. It essentially means that we, as the, the 10 strong cast of actor musicians, as well as portraying Robin Hood and the Merry Band and Maid Marian and all the other characters, also make up the band for the show. So I think all of us play at least two instruments, and Tayo, our musical director, has also managed to rinse some cast members to get third or maybe even fourth instruments out of them. And so whenever we're not playing a character, in a scene uh, we're normally found uh, somewhere else hidden on the set which is gorgeous the design by uh, Adrian G's is just uh, phenomenal and it's got it's essentially a big old playground we've got a fireman's pole we've got slides uh, a trampoline and lots of little nooks and crannies that people can hide in where they've got keyboards and guitars and everything set up and so yeah and, and as well as all the usual fun and silliness and puns you'd expect in a panto you also get great rock and roll songs uh, lots of classics from sort of 60s 70s 80s that people can sing along to uh, have a little dance and just have a festive fun old time so the notoriously intense panto schedule is stepped up even more with extra musician musical performances and fans poles and swing sets to play on absolutely yeah see now when you say it like that it all sounded like a good idea when they pitched it in the design meeting and then three weeks into run you're going is everyone else knackered yeah okay good good um but it's super fun because it actually means that I think in my track, the longest stint I have consecutive of sort of not doing anything is about a minute where I've just got sort of in the wings to have a little sip of water. Otherwise, you're constantly running around in between sets. A lot of folks are quick changing or you're just on stage playing in the band. So it means that the shows are a lot more involved. They go a lot quicker because you're just constantly doing stuff. And even when you, as I say, you're not in a scene, you still feel like you're contributing to the story and to the action that's going on. So once you get past that little stamina bump, it's it's actually a lot more rewarding. And I think, yeah, if I was to go back and do a, a sort of non-rock and roll pan, so I'd be like, oh, where's, uh, I don't get to play. I don't get to run around and slide in a fireman's pole. Boring. Okay, fine. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> I <crazy>. guess. <laughs> that sounds crazy being a, a actor muso pantomime. I've never heard of that, like, mm. for a, a pantomime before. What uh, instruments do you play? So piano keyboards are my main instruments. They've also got me playing um, guitar in this pan. So Jet knows I've had quite the journey with my guitar playing over the years. Bono famously uh, <laughs> learned to play the guitar playing good King Wenceslas and the, the journey that we went on, which is perfect for this time of year. Are you playing that in this pantomime? I, do you know, I pitched it. They decided <laughs> to go in a different direction. Oh. And, you know, I'm not bitter about it. I've just spent five years trying to get it down and master it. But, hey, do you know what? They've got to think about the big picture. But yeah, I think I, I tried to learn the guitar in, I think I had 48 hours before my audition for the Footloose Tour, um, was my first foray into that world. And <laughs> I'm pleased to say that since then, progress has been made. I'll let the audiences judge how much. But yeah, no, it's 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 great fun and nice to that we've got the cast members, Dan Lloyd and Ben Locke, who are two main guitarists. And compared to that, sitting next to them and just watching them sort of riff and solo and do all these incredible things. It's just great to see. Like everyone is, everyone's been hired because they're sick at one thing. And then obviously as, as actor abusers do dabble in other things and you just get to see all these talented people just living their best lives and, and rocking out. It's, it's a really fun environment to be in. So what was your experience with Panto before this? Cause this is the first pantomime that you've done, isn't that right? 
It's the first pantomime on this scale in a, in a theatre, yeah, in, in a, an original theatre. The only prior experience of panto I had to this was actually my first job after graduating in 2015, and it was a touring panto, but one of those where it was three of us, me and two girls, both called Rachel, so we were Team Rachel, <laughs> and we were the Scotland team. So we had a van, we had all of the set, all of the costumes, all of the sound equipment, as well as ourselves in that van, and we would drive to schools and care homes and wherever the venue was, and you'd set it all up, and you'd do the show, and you'd pack it all down. Down. So it was a very different experience. You got to see, I guess, a fair bit of the country. But yeah, it definitely felt like a sort of a, a grafting, paying your dues kind of gig, whereas I get to theatre Cluid and, you know, you're just responsible for your job as an actor and in this case, a musician. And you have an amazing set department and props department and sound team and all these people who are so on it and so good at their job. And it's and it's it's just lovely to come into that that environment and just have this whole team spirit and, and the full production value. It's uh, it's really something special. That's really cool. And how does this panto compare to other shows that you've done? It's, I mean, the energy required, as we've talked about, is definitely high octane. But it's what's baked into panto is just this relentless sort of joy and fun. So even on a day where you come into it and you're maybe feeling a bit tired, as we have done this week with some of our school shows at 10 a.m., which is a sort of 8.30 call. And as Jet knows, mornings are not my favorite time. So you start in and you're a bit lethargic. But by the end of the, by the, end of the show, you're just imbued with this sense of just like oh and you know 500 screaming kids will will wake you up one way or the other <laughs> but just joy is at the heart of, of everything and you just leave it with this wonderful sense of of yeah celebration and love and and bring on christmas so i'm going to clarify for the listeners right now that connor and i are very very good friends he went to school with my <laughs> husband and the reason i know he's not very good at mornings is because we just never go for coffee in the morning he uh, mm. he'll always turn up at about two but yeah 10 a.m wake up yeah. from 500 school children seems exactly what you need um and you mentioned before like theater cleared having such a big props department and things like that mm. now they make every part of their panto don't they it's from from props to set dressing to costume it's all in-house it must be so exciting right. to see like all of the skills and crafts coming together to make this show it's super cool yeah it's theater good i believe it's only one of only four theaters in the uk that yeah build their own sets and props and the costumes and paint all the scenery in-house and yeah to see we get little snippets of it as the rehearsal process is going on and on day one we had as they often do they, they share the sort of design of the set and they have that wonderful little model box and and, and that sense of sort of wonder that we all had, you know, you get the nice, ooh, is everyone seeing it for the first time? <laughs> and we had that exact same reaction, getting into the theatre and the auditorium and seeing it all. They've done a phenomenal job. And as I said, I think Tamara Harvey and the team here at Theatre Clue just do a phenomenal job at collecting these great humans, all of whom are, are, are lovely people, great to work with, but are also just really good at their job. And they, they have obviously the, the resources and, and the space to... To, to create all these things and do it all themselves and it's yeah this wonderful just sort of team community spirit that goes into it all it's 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 awesome to see it's really cool that's amazing so other shows that you've done have included two seasons mm. at pit lockery uh, and now you're in wales so what's special about working <laughs> with regional theatres yeah, turns out I don't do cities. I find me the rural parts of the country, and I'm going to go hide away there, please. Yeah, it's it's you know what it's it's really lovely because particularly in those sort of quieter, more rural towns, the theatre occupies such a large chunk of what makes that place special. Like at the, the pit locker seasons, and people will be like, "Oh, what what's the nightlife like?" I'm like, "Well." There isn't any because we sort of are the nightlife. We are the entertain. <laughs> we're the thing that people go to when they're going out about. And um, and Mould feels like it's a, it's a little bit more connected. Whereas Pit Lockery, you have sort of Perth forty minutes away, Glasgow and Edinburgh about a ninety minute drive. At least here in Mould, you've got Chester is just twenty minutes down the road. Liverpool's just around the corner, even though obviously over to the border. So it feels a little bit closer. But both places just have this really lovely 
community feel to it and getting to be a part of that at the theater and you sort of you, you begin to get recognized after the run's been on for a little while because they're not huge places and that makes you feel quite quite special as well and to be able to sort of contribute and get really get a feel for contributing to the life of a place particularly around christmas time here at theater Clouds is is a really really lovely thing to be part of I mean, that's one of the things that we were all worried about in lockdown, I think, was that mm. regional theatres and pantomime in particular is such a lifeblood and it's such a great earner for regional theatres. that yes. If you don't have that panto going on, then the rest of the investment that they can make into the other productions is all put at risk. Mm. And I think we're probably all quite relieved and taking breathing a sigh of relief that actually that fear that, you know, last year's panto season, the year before's panto season that just yeah. didn't happen, actually, hopefully hasn't had as much of an impact as we hoped it, as we feared it would. Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful to see regional theatres across the country returning to to what feels like full strength, um, certainly in comparison to, to the years we've had. And as you say, Panther being such an earner for them, it's yeah, it's it's vital and goes on to fund their ensuing next 12 months. So I'm so glad to see, see theatres back at it. When it comes to Christmas shows, like what are your favourites? Like this can cross movies and musicals as well. I mean, have you got any favourite oh, wow. Christmas tunes? You know, what what what's your favourite there? Mm, uh, I mean, yeah, movies, I've got a, a soft spot for Elf. That always makes me laugh. Elf, which currently the theatre adaptation is playing in London. Oh, very cool. Um, so Elf's a favourite. Any fave Christmas tunes? Um, yeah, almost certainly. Um, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, I just think it's, it's stunning and so gorgeous. It's obviously been covered loads of times, but the, the scope of the melody, there's a lot of scope for lovely jazzy harmonies and crunchy chords um the most wonderful time of the year i think is a, a nice little underrated bop that always gets me going uh yeah it's 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 when christmas tunes come on providing it's you know not october and november i think it's very difficult to listen to them and not have a little smile at least earlier on in december maybe <laughs> by as you get close to the day depending on your <laughs> your state you might be a bit over it but um no, I, I, I love it it's it's a shame that you know we're doing exclusively sort of pop and rock songs in the panto we don't have anything that is uh, you know, a, a Christmas carol or a Christmas tune, which is the one thing perhaps missing from it. But uh, maybe they feel that would just be going a little bit too uh, <laughs> too far on the cheese side of things. I don't know. Now, I know that in, the, in other pantos, especially now you're from Scotland, so there's mm. often a sing sheet that happens in Scotland where they bring down the clute, I think is how you guys refer oh, to it. Yes. Is that right? I don't know what that yeah. means. What is a clute? Um, I I believe it's just the big, like, scroll that they put the, the lyrics and the, the song sheet like on. Is that right? Maybe clue. Yeah, that works. Yeah, we'll go for that. I've always just but, gone with it. I've never questioned it. <laughs> what's the what's the sort of audience participation for Robin Hood this year? How are you getting them involved? It's fun. Yeah, we're definitely doing a we're doing a song sheet. Um, we're using the 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 song that's been adopted by the Welsh uh, football team and, and fans and supporters to try and get them on side but prior to the world cup starting it went down really well and then as the group stages continued you know we thought well they, they need our help don't they so let's get it loudly um and you know <laughs> that's it's the, the most the... sports references we're ever going to make in this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome who'd have thought it would come from me as well and since then yeah i think it's it's now i mean it's, it's obviously it's a wonderful it's a welsh folk song anyway and it's it's steeped in history so i think it was just a nice sort of topical and and, and cultural extra thing to add to it but our our dame um philip harris is, is just the most warm wonderful man and he's been doing the panto here for years and he's obviously beloved by the audiences so i think i think theater clue get a, a, a large um, portion of their audiences just coming back year on year and they just get that that wonderful swell of of support from him so he sort of leads the song sheet and he, he does a fantastic job and i think of I, I don't know i 
I feel like the the rapport that you have with an audience for that kind of thing when you're asking a lot of times adults who probably brought their screaming kids along and I'm like oh do we have to stand up and sing the thing really <laughs> but he manages to charm them into it and it's uh it's definitely it's, it's I feel like it's a part of the experience of Panda that people are expecting they might not it might not be one that they look forward to but I feel like they'd miss it if it wasn't there <laughs> now so I'm famously a massive Panto Scrooge I but I go to see the pantomime every year because my husband is a musical director and has worked on pantomimes for mm. seven years now which means we throw our Christmas party in November um, mm. as the last week of November and then we go to Panto and uh, the more I go to it the more I love it and the audience participation is just I think it's just joyous and so so special and yes yeah, so mm. we went I went to Panto for the first time this year, last weekend, press night. Lyric Hammersmith's nice. uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. I highly recommend. But um, I think that that joy when you can get the adults to step their cynicism to one side mm. is such a special thing because you go, you know what? We're all just big kids at heart. We just want to have a play. And that's it. And that's it. And it's sort of, um, you, you hear that from the majority of, uh, of Brits, I, I heard that there's only two times uh, in their life that a lot of Brits go to the theatre and that's the first time as a kid when you get taken to the panto and the second time as an adult when they're taking their own kids to the panto <laughs> and so I think if well A there's an argument for then just you've got to make it the most fun and joyous experience that they associate theatre with that but also if they're only going to come twice well then yeah, you're going to get involved and we're going to, <laughs> we're going to get our money's worth out of you. I think it's so important. Just moving on sort of slightly on from Panto now, a bit about you really. So what was your journey mm. getting into theatre? I think I arrived to theatre a little bit later than than most might have done or might expect. I was a singer first and foremost, was singing in choir since I was like seven, I think. So that was definitely my first love. And then discovered theatre and drama in my mid-teens. Uh, it was my mum who discovered there was like a, a summer school week thing that was going on locally that she thought I might find fun um, and I met some nice people there one of whom is, is still a really close friend and then discovered they had like an ongoing weekly sort of drama group and so I asked mom if I, if I could do that and yeah just really enjoyed the acting side of things as well and I really enjoy dance like I alluded to earlier, I don't think I'm technically super gifted at it, but I enjoy throwing my limbs around occasionally to the beat. And so when I discovered that, you know, initially coming through that sort of musical theatre background, there was a, a medium to enjoy both singing and acting and dance all in the one genre. I thought, well, this is the way this is the way to go for me. And and since then, you know, I'm, I'm pleased my career has started to sort of broaden out a little bit and enjoy more variety. But there is something just inherently joyful and in, in being able to celebrate all of those three mediums together. So, yeah, sort of came came to theatre via singing um, and then have have slowly been rebalancing the plate a little bit and and going more into to acting and sort of the singing and the music as a as a fun extra skills to offer, which come in very useful when the rock and roll pantomime comes around. <laughs> theatre glued <laughs> and what about from the other side of things as an audience member and as an artist what is it that mm. you're excited about what do you like listening to what are your fave shows what was the last thing you saw last thing i saw was uh crucible at the national theater which i thought was great um some phenomenal performances uh it was my first time seeing the crucible uh, at all so yeah that that was really really cool to see i do miss being in london for just having that the, the availability to see such high quality theatre constantly and um, that's probably the thing I miss most about it um, in terms of favourites that I've seen recently um, more recent shows um, I, I, I loved Hamilton I loved Waitress um, we've talked about Come From Away and Life of Pi 
Yeah, what else is good? What have I seen recently? What, um, what are your favourites, even if you only listen to it through the soundtrack? Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen, I've listened to the soundtrack quite a lot of. A uh, special place in Robin's heart, as we know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, I guess I, I, I probably associate soundtracks most with sort of growing up because um, although we didn't necessarily go to the theatre super often, my mum in particular had a lot of musical theatre soundtracks. So we had things like The Lion King on, quite a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber, sort of Starlight Express, Jesus Christ Superstar and things. So there's definitely a sentiment, sentimentality I have towards sort of that era of musicals. And then more recently going back and discovering all all the golden oldies from sort of the the great american songbook and stuff there's just i mean there's a whole wealth of stuff to enjoy there we're, we're spoiled for choice really we really are and i'm sure so many of us are looking at our spotify wrapped at the moment and being like <laughs> okay it's musical theater all the way is it then dude right <laughs> My, mine is literally just musical theater like it's just it's just all broadway it's great um, that's great. I'm in the top 2% of Tricks and Mattel's listeners, so, oh, wow. uh, you know, not theatre related at all. But, I mean, there's definitely some showmanship happening there. <laughs> I think, I think the, the, they send you a bumper sticker for that, don't they? Can pop hoping, in the car. I'm hoping so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Connor, what is next to you? What do you want to do next? We've got 2023 just around the corner. Mm. What are you hoping, acting career-wise, you get to play with next year? Well, as, as I sort of alluded to, yeah, gradually transitioning more into the world of sort of straight theatre and some screen work. Um, there's a couple of things sort of possibly on the table, which I, I don't think, without being a huge tease, I don't think I can talk about just yet. But the, the nice thing about enjoying that variety of a, of a freelance career and sort of riding the waves, it's obviously not for everyone, but I enjoy sort of not necessarily knowing what the next six to 12 months are going to look like, but trusting that because of the way the industry works, that, that things will will show up as and when the time is right and just being open to exploring that. But yeah, I'd love to um, I'd love to do some more theatre maybe closer to home, back in Scotland again. If, if a, a sort of London residency came up, that would also be fun because I was based in London for the best part of seven years uh, on and off sort of between touring work and I'm now based back in Scotland again. But because of that, a, a huge amount of my social circle is is still from and lives in London. So I'm, that's definitely another part of, of touring around rurally. You sort of miss that immediate connection to your friendship base and, and support network. But as I say, uh, I, I try and just make the best of whatever job comes up. I find that you often, you often find yourselves wishing for and longing for the thing that you don't have. For example, my friend who isn't working at Christmas currently, is, is sort of thinking, oh, it'd, it'd be really nice to be working and uh, and to be busy. And I'm sort of thinking, yeah, I'm enjoying it, but oh, it would be nice to sort of be at home for Christmas and see friends and family. And so we have a tendency to, to want the other thing. And I think there's real merit in just appreciating where you're at and what you're doing and trusting that, hey, if you're busy working now, unemployment will rear its head at some point. Don't you worry. So, <laughs> and Merry Christmas to one and Merry all. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded more positive and uplifting in my head. <laughs> well, if you want to go Robin. and see Robin Hood, a rock and roll musical panto, uh, you can see Connor mm. in action. It's running at Theatre Cluid till January the 14th. And you can get your tickets at www.theatrecluid.com or by calling the box office on 
So Panto might be one of the only shows that most adults in the UK go and see twice in their life, once as a child and once as an adult, as Connor has said. But what on earth is Panto and why have we got this very specific British tradition? So Panto, as we know, it was established in the UK back in the Victorian era, but its roots go all the way back to 16th century Italy with something called the Teatro dell'Arte. And it was a form of theatre that included dancing, acrobatting, and a cast of stock characters, including a harlequin. The characters would improvise comic stories, sing songs, and entertain the masses. And those theatre troops would then travel across Europe. Some of the early English pantomimes came out of Covent Garden and Theatre Royal Jury Lane. If you think of Covent Garden in London, it's Punch and Judy pub. Um, that's a nod to the early characters of the Commedia dell'arte, which included Punch. Covent Garden Theatre was built by a man named John Rich, who was one of the country's leading harlequins. Crucially, at this point, the characters never spoke. Yeah, absolutely. And Speaking was first introduced by a protégé of John Rich, David Garrick. Yes, the one that all of your theatres in all of your towns are named after. The Garrick Theatre in London has currently got Orlando on with Emma Corrin. What Derek David Garrick was is he took the classic folk stories, including Robin Hood, which means, Connor, the show that you're currently taking part on in is one of the oldest pantomime stories in the UK. Spoken panto was so popular that restrictions on who could speak on stage were lifted, and then the panto started to look a lot more like what we know today. So after 1843, a law was passed known as the Theatres Act, which allowed any theatre without a royal patent to produce a play with purely spoken dialogue. And that's why you start to see the introductions of puns and wordplay, audience participation and lots of social satire. So they commented on the world events. Today you might see your favourite panto stars recreating TikTok dances, but back then they were commenting on the exciting and daring invention of the railway. <laughs> In the 19th century, panto was huge. Family was an important focus on the Victorians, so things like toy theatres for families to play with at home to create their own pantos were really popular. Uh, out in the world, a lot of pantomimes began to open on Boxing Day, and that's when the association with Christmas time and panto began. Now, I think one of the things I always find really interesting about panto is the particular role of the panto dame. And so I was having a dig into this um, on the VNA website. And what it's saying is because there were always men playing women in pantos and in st on stage generally, mostly because it was absolutely scandalous that a woman would be scantily clad on stage wearing something like tights so they get men to do it but then because of these performers were very masculine presenting in the way that they that you often think of people would say okay well that's that's quite funny that they're they're dressed up as ladies and that joke and that that play between the two the the, the presenting gender role and the role that they were acting in became part of the act and part of the joy as a as you went down the years Local music halls and countries had their own stars and celebrities who began to be recruited to do a turn or take on a role for part of the show. These music hall stars had their own skills and things that they were known for, either singing a signature song or playing an instrument, or in one production of Dick Whittington in 1981, singing ta ra ra boom <laughs> uh, <laughs> as was the case with music hall performer Lottie Collins, and stopping the show, such was the audience reaction. Yeah, I mean, Tamara Boumdier, a classic for the ages that I'm sure we all have on our Spotify wrap this year. Um, so yeah, and I was, again, in this VNA article, in 1900, theatre critic for the Star newspaper described the Jury Lane panto in a way that I still think encapsulates what panto is perfectly, saying, it is a symbol of our nation. It's the biggest thing of its kind, its world. It is a prodigal of money, of invention, of splendour, of men and women, but it is without the sense of beauty or the restraining influence of taste. And he went on to say, only a great nation could have done such a thing. Only an undisciplined nation would have done it. The monstrous glittering thing of pomp 
and humour is without order or design. It is a hodgepodge of everything that has been seen on any stage. And I think that that is, is a good thing even now. It is, it's music, it's theatre, it's dance, it's acting, it's silliness and memes and a really, really fun thing to go and engage with around Christmas time. I also love as well that Panto only really exists in the UK. Like when you get Americans and they come over and that, they've never heard of of Panto and what it is. And I think it really surprises them. And it's always interesting to see if they understand the humour of it as well. I think I heard a while back a Panto opened in America just to see how it would run and it didn't do very well because they didn't get it. Mm. Um, (laughs) And I think that is, you have to sort of enter into that separate world and go, okay, we're in Panto world now. There are jokes, there are tropes, there are stock characters. Hold on for the ride. Con, do you find, because obviously a lot of the panto, when it comes to things like that music hall tradition of, of local stars, and you're mm. saying that your panto dame, of course, is, is a local man. Are you finding that you're having to get up to date with Welsh and mold-specific references very quickly? There's definitely some that I've absorbed just by being part of the process. But fortunately, they've got, I think, five native uh, Welsh people in in our cast. And fortunately, they've given them the bulk of the sort of local references um, and things like that. We're doing a great version of We Didn't Start the Fire, which we replaced all the verse lyrics with all these fantastic um, celebrated Welsh Welsh people. And so it's it's this big rousing moment of just like, you know, we're not going to let this down. We're a nation of players and poets and princes. And then I come in with Shirley Bassey Tom. Jones, Little Grog, Rugby Gnomes. And so you're going through the scripts and then, so I've got one line, I think it's the, it's the rhyme of that one, uh, Nessa saying, oh, and I criminally had never seen Gavin and Stacey before. So when I was, I know, look at your shocked faces. <laughs> we we talked about Gavin and Stacey on the podcast. Sorry. Oh, have you? <laughs> Hilarious. So when, when, when I obviously did it in the read through and everyone was looking at each other and being like, I don't think, I don't think he, he gets the reference. So we then went that Sunday and we watched the whole first season of Gavin and Stacey. So obviously that's the, the height of, of Welsh cultural references. So I'm being indoctrinated well by the cast. <laughs> So we have reached Stage Door Snapshot. This is the part of the show where we want to hear from you. Please get in touch with any Stage Door stories you've got, any selfies or just any special experiences you've had at the theatre. This week, I'm going to talk about a little bit of what I've recently seen. I went to see the Matilda movie yesterday. I've been excited about this. So, so jealous. (laughs) I've been excited about this. I love the stage show. I've seen it a few times up in London. And I mean, the soundtrack is just iconic. Um, So I was really interested to see how it would relate. Not relate, that's the wrong word. I was really interested to see how it would translate uh, onto the screen. And they've done it really well. Uh, They've they've adapted it slightly, obviously. They've cut a couple of songs, which always happens in, in movie adaptations. But overall, it's a real... It it's just it embodies what Matilda is, and it still feels exactly like the show. Oh, but they've just expanded it, and with the sets, oh my god, the choreography in this movie! I have no idea where they got these children, but it's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> and they're huge, well, they're these massive choreographed numbers, and it's just phenomenal. I was just sat in awe. Um, they have yeah, re- I think it's had similar box office too. It's it's already beating The Greatest Showman when it comes to the box office because it's really, really pulled people in, which is amazing. Mm. Brilliant. Because I didn't realise they were going to release it in the cinemas. I thought it was just going to be a Netflix release. Uh, so mm. when they said it was a cinema release, I got really excited. And definitely go see it in the cinema, you know, with the, the sound and everything. The new orchestrations for the songs are amazing. They've really just heightened it. And 
I so Emma Thompson is playing Trunchbull, and when I saw Amazing. the casting, I was a bit like, oh, they could have had a man, because you know the the man plays it in the in the show, and it's what it mm. is. I wasn't disappointed. Emma Thompson is a goddess. Uh, <laughs> Was there any doubt? Yeah, I know. I shouldn't have been worried, really. Uh, <laughs> but what she brings to the role is is really quite magical. And they've written a brand new song for it, uh, which comes at the end of the sh- end of the movie, and it just fits in perfectly. And it's it's just it Aww. leaves you it leaves you feeling really just warm and happy. There are some really fun little cameos in it as well, which I won't spoil. And yeah, definitely, if you love the musical version, definitely go and see it because it's, it's a really, really special adaptation. I cannot wait to see it. I think it's coming out on Netflix on Christmas Day. So if you can't get to the cinema, then it is going to be a very good one for after your Christmas pudding. But I mean, it's absolutely, I, I think it's got a dear place in so many people's hearts. The song Quiet especially makes me so much calmer um, in the world where you sort of, you know, I think so many people identify with that song because it's this chaos of the world and taking it all in, being overwhelming. And then just this moment of, calm and clarity um that i think every time i listen to quiet it just brings a tear to my eye and and i cannot wait to see it being portrayed on the big screen it's really lovely but so with stage door stories and stuff connor have you got any sort of memorable experiences of theater or like a memorable stage door experience whether you've had with a fan or you've had with with an idol of yours (laughs) <laughs> there's there's none from stage door that come to mind at this time but i did literally about an hour ago have quite a surreal experience my, my folks are down visiting at the moment um which is lovely we're having our sort of early christmas family celebration because uh, i won't be able to get back to glasgow for the day itself and we were just having lunch in this little cafe which the video sort of um the video the window overlooks the the high street in mold and there was this huge troop of about maybe 60, 70 school kids that were sort of coming down down the, the street. And mum clocked them and went, oh, I wonder if they were some of the schools that were in to see the pants the other day. I was like, oh yeah, or maybe they've yet to see it. And as we were sort of discussing this, some of the kids started like elbowing each other and sort of pointing in our direction. I was like, oh yeah, no, they've definitely been in to see the panther. Okay. <laughs> um, and there's me sort of really embarrassed, just tucking into my side, like maybe, maybe that's fine. Maybe they'll cross the road and it'll be fine. And then sort of looked up and like even more of them now like waving. And mum was like, go on, make their day. So I was like, oh, fine. So I sort of waved back and they all went, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Which was really, really you sweet. You made their I- Christmas. I hope so. I guess it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier of like you you do feel particularly in these rural areas part of the community when you get to perform at the Panzo here and and sort of getting that that lovely you know if, I mean I'm curious if I was playing the villain if they'd booed but in a way that would have sort of been the same positive affirmation because what's been really great about the school shows as we've done is that they're invested they make loads of noise and they holler and they shout but they're into the story like they really care about what's happening there was another really really fun moment in the show where part of the act two is robin is building up the courage to woo marion and and tell her uh, his feelings towards her and that sort of culminates after the final scene where he's, he's plucking up the courage to um to say this and sort of umming and eyeing at the start of the dialogue as is in the script and one child started just going say it say it say and that spread like wildfire (laughs) so i had like 550 kids are going say it say it at that point i was already saying the dialogue but it didn't matter they were drowning it out i was just just sort of took a moment and turned to them i went it's happening now we're saying it (laughs) but it's it's so sweet and it's just that that huge rush of emotion and involvement and engagement which is obviously we've been we've been so lacking of uh in in recent years for obvious reasons so it's just it's wonderful to be part of this shared human experience again at christmas time 
That's so lovely. Now, when I think of your stage or stature, I often think of the Choir of Man poster, which had oh, you yes. front and centre. Like, right. even, I think, when you left the show, you were That's still right, yeah. front and centre on the poster. <laughs> I had people Did messaging you... me in, like, from the Edinburgh Fringe the year after, and I think the, um, uh, not Coventry, was maybe it was Coventry, and, yeah, they still had me on the poster, and people going, I've just booked tickets, I can't wait to see you. I went, oh, you'll have a great time. I'm actually not in that show at the moment, <laughs> but... Um, but it's great. You, you'll have fun. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Well, if you want to share your stage door snapshots with us, please send us a selfie along with your story of what you've been doing, what you've been seeing, and we'll be able to share that story on a future show. You can email us at webfpodcast at gmail.com or get in touch via social media, all of the details of which are in the show notes. That is all that we have time for on this episode of the West End Best Friend podcast. Now, before we go, don't forget, if you want to see Connor, you can in Robin Hood of Rock and Roll Panto. It's running at Theatre Cluid till January the 14th, and you can get tickets at www.theatrecluid.com or by calling the box office on 01352 344101. Yes, if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends about us, get in touch, and if you really enjoyed it, you can give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back with more news reviews views and insights from the West End and beyond. Till then, you can keep up to date with all the goings on via the West End Best Friend website and across all of our socials. And as Jet said, all of the details are in the show notes. If people want to find you on social media, Connor, where can they find you? Sure. On pretty much all socials, I think my handle is at Connor Going, C-O-N-N-O-R-G-O-I-N-G. My use of social media has definitely decreased in recent years, but I do try and keep a, a semi-active presence on there and post covers and that occasionally. Yeah, it's, it's a nice way to connect with, with folks and audience members. Wonderful. Well, we will see you there if we don't see you before. Till then, I am Jack Gerberson. I am Robin Dibbin. And I've been Connor Going, wishing you all a wonderful week ahead. Merry, Merry Christmas, Connor. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Merry Christmas.